Thank you for listening, and we hope this message will strengthen and help you in your walk with God. You know, ministry can be tough sometimes. Ministry can be busy sometimes, and you've got to take and separate yourself and be apart and have time for leisure, have time to rest, have time to eat. I like to eat. It's one of my favorite things to do is eat. I'm just letting you all know food's good. <laughs> Hallelujah. And then in verse 32, it says, And they departed into a desert place by a ship privately, and the people saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran afore, afoot thither out of all the cities, and out went, and out went them and came together unto him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion towards them because they were as sheep not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place, and now the time is far past. Send them away that they may go into the country round about and into the villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. Now, I really believe that the disciples were being compassionate, and they were thinking about the people. And so in their mind's eye, they need to send them on so that they can eat, so that they can go to a village, they can get rest, they can get food. And then they're thinking this is a really God idea. You ever had a God idea? Find out it's not a God idea. <laughs> but Jesus had a God idea. He had another idea. And he said, he answered them and said unto them, Give ye them to eat. This is a command. He's telling them, you disciples, you give to them something to eat. And they're like, what? They say unto him, shall we go and buy 200 pennies worth of bread and give it to them to eat? What are you talking about, Jesus? What do you mean by this? And he commanded them, well, let's see. He saith unto them, how many loaves have you? Go and see. So they went out to check to see how many loaves and, that they had, if they had any other things that would be provision for them. And so he sends them out, and they come back, and they come back, and, he, and verse 39, and he commanded them to make, all sat down by companies upon the green grass, and they sat down in ranks by hundreds and fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, so obviously they found five loaves of bread and two fishes. And he looked to heaven, he blessed, he broke, and gave them to his disciples to set before them, and the two fishes divided he among them, and they all did eat. So he gave to the, the disciples, and he said... What did he say? You're going to feed them, right? And so by faith, they had to take the loaves and they had to take the fish. And Jesus divided them, blessed them, and he gave to the disciples. And when the disciples gave, they gave it to the people. And, that, and we know that it multiplied. It increased. Now, remember, they are the ones that are obeying the commandment, doing what God said. And so because of that, the fish are multiplying. 
multiplying. I believe they just started multiplying in their hands. Every time they gave out, there was increase. Every time they gave the fish, every time they gave the loaves to the people, they looked in their hands and there were more loaves and there were more fishes. Because Jesus blessed it, he commanded them to feed him, and they carried the act out, right? That's pretty impressive. That would, you would think that would make you think. Jesus did, did a miracle and used them in the performance of a miracle, right? You'd think that gets your attention. Don't you think that would get your attention? Don't you think you'd think about it? Let it kind of go and run in your mind and think, wow, that was amazing. Man, did you see what we just did? Don't you think Peter and James and John were talking about this miracle that took place, this exciting thing that just happened? It's amazing. Amazing. And so let's read on. And let's go down now to verse Forty-five, And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before them unto Bethesda while he sent away the people. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when eve was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling and rowing. For the wind was contrary unto them, and about the fourth watch of the night he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit, and cried out. For, the, for they all saw him, and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them, and said unto him, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. So here he is. In that place that he constrains, I mean, he is telling those disciples, get into the ship and go to the other side. He sent them with a command. He sent them with the word of God. Go to the other side. And then we see that the wind begins to blow. A storm comes in, and they get into panic mode. They get into fear. They're in a place that they are like, what are we going to do? What, what is happening here? What do we, what do we, how do we get out of this mess? How do, how do we do this? They just saw the miracle, right? That should be high on their mind. When we see a miracle, it's training us for the next, next level, the next opposition or the next place that we're going in going into. When we see miracles, we need to take an account of what's going on. What they were doing, they were discounting what just happened. And they were not looking at what was going on because their thoughts got more on the storm than what just had happened. That happens to us so many times. God does a miracle for us. He does something in our lives. And then all of a sudden, Opposition comes, something comes our way, and our eyes are more focused on the opposition than what the miracle that just took place. And I'm going to, that is going to prove out here in just a few minutes. When, when God gave the command for the fishes, and he told the disciples, he said, you feed them 
when they said, how are we going to do this? Do you know that Jesus didn't change his mind? He didn't change the command. He kept that command. He said, this is what we're going to do. You go find the loaves. You go find the fishes. He gave the command. He didn't withdraw it. When he tells us something's coming, we, and we don't understand how, Jesus isn't going to change his mind to accommodate us. He's not going to do it. He's going to stay with his command. He's going to stay with what he said. He is not going to draw back. Now, the disciples are in the ship, and they're crying out. Jesus is walking by. Jesus is going by them. It says, now let's go back, verse 48. Let's look at verse 48. And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed them by. It re that really means he intended on passing them by. He never intended to meet up with them on the water. He intended to meet up with them on the land. Because he had already given the command, go to the other side. He saw them toiling from the land. The scripture says he saw them before he ever stepped out on the water. He knew that there was a problem. He knew they were in trouble. But what was the word that he had given? Go to the other side. He had already commanded it. He had already said it. So they should have known that word was enabled, was already had the ability to carry them to the other side. But they got distracted by the storm. And what Jesus was trying to let them know is when you're in the storm, go back to the last miracle. Go back to what just happened. If God caused that, the fish and the loaves to multiply, how much more can he do in any situation you are in? He says, he's saying, don't get your eyes on the loaves and the fishes. Don't get your eye on that. Get your eye that I'm a miracle-working God. Get your eye when I say something to you. That means I'm well able to bring it to pass, that that word has the power to bring it to pass. Amen? That word that he gives has that power. It has that kind of power in it. I heard this, and I thought it was really good. In Luke 137, it says, nothing will be impossible with God. And uh, Jack Taylor, a great man of God, put it this way. Nothing is two words. No and thing. So he's saying, no thing. And when you really study that out, and I did today because I wanted to make sure what I was saying. He said, no, and the thing is the rhema word of God. It's referring to when he says nothing is impossible when Elizabeth got pregnant and when the angel of the Lord came to Mary. And both of them had rhema words from God. And it says nothing is impossible or no thing, no rhema word from God is impossible. It is well able to come to pass. He said that rhema word has the power. No, no freshly spoken word of God is, has, let me say it again, no freshly spoken word of God is impossible. 
or it, it has the ability to perform itself. That's what that means. That word has the ability to perform. From God, no word shall be without power. So no thing, nothing, no rhema word. We've all had rhema words from God. We've all had God give us a rhema word. Probably more rhema words than if we go back and really think about it. And those rhema words have the power, the ability to come to pass. That's where we have to go. That's when he says no thing is impossible. That means when God speaks, that word has the ability, has the power to bring it to pass. Amen? So when Jesus is looking at the disciples on the land and he sees them in trouble, he's not running to their aid. He's already given them the word that has the power to get them to the other side. And he's looking, and it says he intended to go from this part of the land, walk on the water, and go, up, go by the others. Maybe he intended to wave and see it, say, I'll see you on the other side. But his intention was to stay on that water and not get on that ship. But they cried out. They cried out. So again, verse 49, but when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit and cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled, and immediately he talked with them and says unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Now, we're going to come back to this, but I want us to turn over to... Uh, Matthew, Matthew 14. So we're going to interject here because this is the same story that we're reading in Mark. And it says, and in the fourth, verse 25, and in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spoke unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. So here, uh, Matthew puts this in the story where Mark left it out. And Matthew was there, so he saw this. And it says, And Peter, and Peter answered, verse 28, And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. Something's working in Peter. I want you to get something here. Something is working in Peter. None of the other disciples said this. But something's working in Peter. Where is Peter's mind at? The loaves and the fishes. That just took place. Obviously, Peter is meditating on something Connecting the dots, bringing it together, connecting it together. God is a miracle-working God. Jesus just did those miracles. We saw it through our own hands. He's meditating. He's been thinking about it. So when Jesus comes passing by, 
and he says, it's I. Peter says, bid me to come. I believe just like the fish and the loaves were multiplied, I believe that when you speak, I can walk on that. Now, come on, let's, I want you to connect the dots. And so, what did Jesus say? Come. I think Jesus was pleased with him at this point. I believe he's going, that's right, Peter. You're thinking. You've been meditating on something. You've been what? meditating on the miracle working power. You have to also remember, these guys just came back from a crusade. They'd seen the miracles in operation. The Lord is training them to elevate them, to take her into a higher place. We're always in training. We always should be learning and growing. And so we know that Peter steps out of the boat. We know that Peter walks on the water, right? And then it says he begins to sink, verse 30. And so he cried out again to the Lord. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand, caught him, and said to Peter, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? I don't think he was mad at him. I think he was at that place that he's looking at him and going, you had this, Peter. You had this. Why did you doubt? Why did you allow the doubt to come in? He's asking him that. He wants to know, why did you do this? Jesus knows the answer to it, but he wants Peter to process it. Sometimes God asks us questions so that we process, so that we can figure out what's holding us back, what's keeping us from moving forward. Now, I want us to go back over to Mark and continue reading. Now, Peter and Jesus are back on the boat. They got on the boat together. And it says in verse 51, And he went up into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were so amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. For they considered, now listen what he says here. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves. For their heart was hardened. Now think about that. They've seen the miracles, and I don't believe he was speaking to Peter at this time. I believe Peter is standing next to him because they got on the boat together. Jesus had pulled him up, taken his hand, walked him back to the boat, and he turns to the other disciples, and he said, what's your deal? What is the difference in the miracle that took place with the loaves and the fishes. Why did you harden your heart in the storm? Why did you allow hardness of heart when you've been doing miracles? You saw the loaves and the fishes. Look at the reference that he goes to. He's the one that brings up. He said, why didn't you connect it? Why didn't you connect the miracles? If, it, if I can multiply fishes, if I can multiply loaves, I can surely, when I give you a command and tell you to go to, go, 
to go to the other side, then that word has the power to come to pass. So why do we get in that place in a storm and we harden our heart and try to figure out how's God going to do the next miracle? How's he going to do it? Think about it. He's talking about what you're thinking. What is in your heart? Isn't that what he's saying? What is in your heart? A miracle was not in their heart. We need to have miracles in our heart. We need to go back and think, God did this then. This is nothing to him. When that obstacle and you don't know what to do and the storm is real, that's a real windstorm on the Sea of Galilee. It's out there. They're trying to figure out. These are fishermen that know weather, know storms. They've been in things. But this is a situation, and they don't have miracle on their mind. They don't have the commandment of Jesus on their mind. That's why I look at Peter and say, Peter was thinking. Because he said, if you tell me, if you command me to come, then I know I have a word to stand on. Come on. If I speak, then that thing is not impossible. That rhema word, everything that Jesus said to the disciples when he commanded them with the loaves and fishes, he was trying to work in their hearts to understand it doesn't matter what kind of miracle you need. If you've got a rhema word from God, then that word has the power to come to pass. Are we connecting the dots? Bringing it in? He was training his disciples, and we know this, for when he left. So they would know how to operate and bring heaven on earth to bring the kingdom of God in. So we have to take hold when Jesus speaks something to us and believe that that word is well able to bring forth whatever you may need. See, they were missing the message of the loaves and the fishes. Somewhere in there, they hardened their hearts. You think about it. Then when they watched all of that, if you had loaves and fishes in your hands, literally had loaves and fishes, and you knew that there were only five loaves, and two fishes, yet this piece of bread and this piece of fish kept multiplying, kept multiplying right before your very eyes. Multiplication kept taking place until every person was full and there were leftovers. You think that would impress 
But what happens so many times is we walk away from the miracle. We walk away from what God just did, and we forget about the miracle. And so then we, when we step into the next place of a storm, we are not miracle-minded. We're storm-minded. And we cannot be storm-minded. We got to be miracle-minded. Jesus never had to think, was God going to do a miracle? Jesus stayed miracle-minded. He stayed in that place that whatever God said, he knew a miracle would take place. He knew it. There wasn't in doubt. He didn't live in doubt and unbelief. And he was training his disciples not to live in doubt and unbelief, not to harden their hearts. And too many times our hearts get hardened, and we don't even realize it. If you'd asked those disciples if their hearts were hardened, they would have said, oh, not mine. But Jesus looked them right in the eye and said, your hearts are hard. He said, you did not even consider, think about, really examine what just took place an hour beforehand. I mean, this is not even a long extended period of time. This is from the time they got on that ship, rowed, I don't know how far into, you know, I don't think it was very far, and the storm came up, and they forgot. They forgot, and they hardened their heart. So to the point, they couldn't even recognize Jesus walking by. That's pretty hard. That's pretty hard. So what do we, what do we learn out of this? When that storm comes, we got, we got to stay miracle-minded. We got to stay in that place that we're not forgetting the miracles, that we go back and we rehearse what God has done. We go back. We need to go back, and we need to talk. Sometimes Pastor and I just talk about the things that God has done. I was saying today what God has done. How did we get in this building? How did we get here? I suddenly came into our life. That suddenly just happened. You know, one day this building was not on our mind. We weren't thinking. We were looking around for a building. We were just looking around, believing God. And this just came up. And it happened so fast. Made our heads spin. And God said, we've got suddenlies coming. What's a suddenly look like? Something that wasn't there, and then it's there. It just appears out of nowhere. It just comes because we're miracle-bonded. Because we're looking and expecting a miracle. And we're examining our hearts and saying, I'm not going to let my heart be hard. I'm not going to get in that place that my heart is hard. Oh, no. No, 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 no. I'm expecting I'm telling you again, I really believe the Lord was pleased with Peter. He would have liked every one of those disciples to say, 
hey, we're coming too. He would have really been excited. He would have said, well, come on, read the ship, and we'll just all walk over the land together. He, he was excited about Peter. But he really scolded the disciples for the hardness of heart. Brought correction to them. Not mad, but out of love to give them direction. To keep believing for the miracles. Keep believing for those things. Keep believing. Don't quit. And if you feel somewhere in your heart that you're drawing back, you know, say, God, do a work right here. Do a work. I, I need to remember the miracles. I need to remember. I need to recall. What has the Lord done? We've got words over this church. we got some powerful rhema words over this house, over the people of this house. And I'm not hardening my heart. I'm looking for the miracles. I'm looking for the miracles. I'm looking for them to manifest. And I'm expecting the suddenlies. I'm expecting them to show up. Because I'm expecting God to do what he said. Because his word has the power. No rhema word is without power. None. Zilch. God speaks no idle words. Every word he speaks has an intention to it, and it's to bring it to pass. Amen? That's good news to me. I like it. Hallelujah. Encourage me. Stand on the promises. Stand on the word. Believe it. Don't harden your heart. Remember, it wasn't the fact of the fish and the loaves being multiplied. It was the fact of the miracles. And they were on a training ground. We're on a training ground. Elevation. Going higher. Let's get out of first grade. Hallelujah. I don't know what grade you're in, but let's go to the next grade. Amen. We don't want a bunch of kindergartners and first graders repeating and repeating. That's really what Jesus was saying. It's training them to go up. Training them to move into the miracles. They got there. We're going to get there. We're going to believe God. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We believe God's Word is what will sustain us in any situation in our lives. For more information, please visit us at familywc.org or you can download the app. Look for us as FWC Como. Until the next time, remember, you are God's best.